And we'll find ourselves in uh, Matthew chapter 10. As we work through the commandments of the Lord, trying to fulfill the requirement of the Great Commission, where he asks us to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And today, our text is in the 24th verse of the 10th chapter of Matthew. Beginning in verse 24 of the 10th chapter of Matthew. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that, if, that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak in light, and what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetop. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. We uh, find three commands here in this passage that we've read all of them very similar, and that's why we're concluding using them as one lesson. But he says in verse 26, fear them not. He says in verse 28, and fear not them. And then in verse 31, fear ye not. It's a... I wasn't expert in grammar, but it does help to talk about it a little bit. It's in the present tense, which means now. It's in the imperative mood. Imperative, if I say this is imperative, you do this. Well, imperative mood simply means that it is a command, and we're looking at the commands of Christ. It's with a negative. You see every one of those, when it uses the fear, it uses the word not. But it's in the, what I think is impressive here, it's in the passive voice. And when we talk about the passive voice, if it, if it was an active voice, it would be, I hit the ball. I'm doing the action. In the passive voice, the ball hit me. I received the action. Now why is that important as we look at these words here? Fear ye not. Well, what it's saying is this, that we don't have to buck up ourselves. We don't have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstrap. We don't have to toughen up, but we can simply look to the Lord and by faith be fearless. Not by our power, but by his power. It's a command, 
that we are called upon to do something to reach out in faith. But it's a command that can, will be fulfilled in relying upon the Lord. So let's kind of get the background again of all this passage. When we come to ch- chapter 9, the last part of that, Jesus has had his disciples with him for a long period, teaching them, letting them observe, seeing him work miracles, seeing the power of his word, seeing the power to change people's lives, many, many different lessons he's taught them. And then it's come to a place where he's going to send them out on their own. But before that, he tried to get a hold of their hearts concerning the need. In the last part of chapter 9, he's, Jesus looked out and saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. He yearned in his gut. He was overwhelmed. And he saw them fainting as sheep scattered abroad and having no shepherd. And he wanted his disciples to look beyond (laughs) their next meal. But look at the world and to be moved to see the great multitude, and we tried to bring you some, give you a little bit of literature about the millions of people in this world. And then he gave a command of that passage when we studied that, and he said, uh, the harvest is plenteous, and then he said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. So the king has commanded us to pray for laborers. I don't know if we've really uh, engrafted this into our lives, but when I was growing up and my dad would command me to do something, disobedience became serious. And usually there's repercussions. I know the Lord is long-suffering, but when we don't obey him, we lose out. We lose out. And so he called upon us to to pray the Lord of the harvest. And then following that, he's going to send out his uh, 12. Pray and go. And when when we get into chapter 10, it's an interesting chapter because... It begins with the Lord sending his 12 only to the Jewish nation. Not the Samaritans and not the Gentiles, but only to the Jews. And when we get to the end of it, the context is, you know, that before you go throughout the, your, your witnessing, I'm going to come. And so it really expands a time period from the beginning of the Lord's ministry all the way to the tribulation time. And what's said concerning the Jews and going to the Jews uh, was different from what he said in other places. He tells them, you know, don't take any food, don't take a sword, don't take... And, and later he talks about taking food and taking a sword to protect yourself. And so there's some differences there, but... Throughout chapter 10, although it expands, kind of telescopes out and telescopes out and telescopes out, and it expands from when he begins uh, to send them forth all the way to the tribulation, there are principles found within this passage that fit all ages of evangelism. And so what's said here is, is... is uh, for us today, uh, not the commission just to go to the uh, Jews, but some of the principles and the commands that are given within this. And we looked at some of those, and, 
And verse 16, we, the word behold was a command that we were to be sent forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Uh, earlier in chapter uh, 10, he used the illustration of, of the lost people being sheep. And now he uses the illustration kind of flipped in a different way that we are as sheep going uh, to the wolves. Not as, not as wolves uh, going to the sheep and not as lions going forth to conquer, but as dumb, defenseless, and need of a shepherd sheep. Which I think says to me, if I'm going to be <laughs> going out here and wandering around as sheep or tend to, tend to, and I'm not real bright, and I'm not real defensive oriented, and I need a shepherd to guide me, and I realize that this war is not with flesh and blood, with principalities and powers, that you'll not get it done without the shepherd. We just won't get it done without the shepherd. And if we try to get it done, it's going to be manufactured false stuff. And he says also there in verse 16, be wise as serpents. That when we go to evangelize people, let's, let's not be stupid. Let's look for open doors. Yeah, we need to push and rattle the doorknob, but let's look for open doors. Let's look for opportunities. A horse, I learned years ago, in Eastern Oregon, that a horse, if he doesn't want to drink, is not going to drink. You can whip him all you want to, <laughs> poke his nose in the water and get yourself kicked. And there is a point in time when the Lord is helping us. As he told Philip, go down to Gaza. He's leading us. And we need to be wise and they said, be as doves. Evangelism is not a military adventure. It's not the Marines attacking Fallujah. But it's a medical unit endeavoring to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. And then he said, beware of men. And he talked about how we could be persecuted. In verse 17, they'll deliver you up to the council. We'll be persecuted uh, there in the synagogues. They will scourge you in the synagogues that religious persecution comes about. That when we try to witness and hold to the truth and preach repentance and faith, the need for souls to be saved, the, to preach that there's only two religions, a religion of grace through faith and a religion of works, will be persecuted by, in the synagogues. And in verse 18, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, will be persecuted by government. And then he says, and brother shall deliver up brother there in verse 21. And father the child, and the child shall raise up against his parents and cause them to be put to death. You'll find persecution from your family. Now, when I read that, and I ponder that, and I think about that, the government, there's no love for Christianity on the Democratic side. And 99% of the Republican sides are false professions. That can be daunting. 
It's a it's a heart stirring to hear Noah write how some of the converts are being persecuted by their families. That's daunting. It's very troubling. The religions of America are not in cooperation with the truth of the Bible. We're opposed. You're going to be opposed. He says you're going to be opposed. And all that becomes very fearful and it makes us be reluctant. And uh, you know, <laughs> uh, let's just go see if we can go to the state and and buy ten acres someplace up by Live and Good and collect my Social Security and preach to the chipmunks. They don't bite back. But then the Lord comes in the following verses and he says, Fear not! Fear not! Fear not! Three times. And what's wonderful is that um, he gives some words accompanying these fear nots. They're in a passive voice. Isaiah says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Passive voice. It's God that keeps me in perfect peace. Isaiah 26.3. And so three times in this we have the messages come from the throne, fear not. And of course, he's speaking about the world. But he gives us three, in, in these fear nots, he gives us some reasons why we shouldn't fear. And so let's note first, 26 and 27. Fear them not, therefore... Well, there is nothing, well, he goes, there, the therefore goes back, and it really goes back to verse 25, where it is enough for the disciple that, that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord, if they have called the master of the house Satan, Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his own household? And so, so he's saying, he's saying, okay, realize that nothing's happening to you that didn't happen to your king, that he's faced it. But he says here, he says in verse 26 and 27, Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. While I tell you in darkness, what I tell you in darkness, that speak in, the, in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And so he says, listen, <clears throat> there's nothing that's hidden today, nothing that's covered today that won't be known one day. He's going to take the lid off of things that have been done. And he's going to make it right. Will not the Lord of all the earth do justly? Yes, he will. And there's things that's been done to Christians that have been covered up, atrocious things being done in some of the African nations to Christians today, and throughout the world, and China, different places. But he said, understand this, 
I'm going to take the lid off of it, and it's going to be exposed, and the truth will be known, and I will write it. I'll make it right. Christianity today is seen as being anti-intellectual, the off-scouring of the world, But God's going to let the real story come out. It seems as though the wicked of the world prosper and God's people are in want. But one day, it's going to be made right. I want you to go to Psalm 73. Psalm 73 Wonderful, wonderful passage concerning this worrisome nature of things that affect us as Christians. And the psalmist here, as a believer, says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are a clean heart. But as for me, I'm different. He's good to them, but as for me, he's speaking as a saved man, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. He's about to fall. For why was that? For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He looked around. He saw the rich, the wicked, the rich promoting wicked things. We can list them, abortion and all kinds of stuff. There are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. It seems like that they're not even afraid of dying. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men, that the wicked are prospering. And, you know, if, they're a, if their battery goes dead in their car, let's go buy a new car. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain, and violence covers them as a garment. They, are, uh, they, they have all this money, and they're full of pride. I don't know if you know, but a couple of weeks ago, there was a football player, professional football player, that had a cardiac arrest on the football field. And all these big, strong, confident millionaires, probably every one of those players on that field was, was a millionaire. They were shocked. They realized that there's something more to life than money. They're troubled. They're not troubled as other men Therefore, pride can pass it. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than their heart could wish. They're corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak lawfully. We're talking about trying to be a Christian and witness in this world. And this is the kind of people that we face. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how does God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? And so they mock God. Don't get out of here, you know. How does God know? Why does God care? Where is it? Is there really a God? You guys go on. Behold, they're the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. And then he says, Verily I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my heart in innocency. He said, you know, I got saved. I tried to serve the Lord. For what? They're prospering. I'm scratching trying to make a living. He said, I've, I've done this in vain. For all the day long have I been plagued and chasing every morning. When I get out of line... If I think about doing and 
cheating on my taxes and cheating on my wife and doing the things that these rich guys do, God gives me a spanking. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. He said, I want to say this. I feel this in my heart and I want to say it, but I don't want my grandson to hear me say that. He's messed up. And he's earthly oriented. And he says, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. He's come to the bottom. Until. There it is. Until he turned his feet to the right way and turned his heart to God. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. God is going to take the lid off of things one day. Fear not. That which has been hidden is going to be revealed. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They're utterly consumed with terrors. Don't you know that that last breath when he, he awakens in a place of torment, he's consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my veins, in my reins. Why was it grieved? Because he was lusting for the world, that he got his eyes on the world, that he didn't look beyond himself. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was a beast. I was acting like a stupid animal before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by thy right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterward, receive me to glory. And so he says, in this life, God will guide you with his own counsel. He'll give you that peace that only he can give. Fear not. And afterward, delivers Christ and he dies again. Afterward, we're going to glory. And they're going to terror. Whom have, I have, whom have I in heaven but thee? And there's none upon the earth that I desire beside it. Right there is the, right there is the critical point, isn't it? Who's number one? Whom do I have but thee? My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare thy works. And so Ecclesiastes sums it up and says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so the first fear not, he's just simply saying, I'm keeping notes. I got a record. I'm not going to forget. I know what's going on. Fear not. Secondly, he says in verse 28 of chapter 10 again in Matthew. He says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He says, Fear not, because... There's something about you that no man can touch.
They'll kill your body. But they're not going to get your soul. That's why Paul said to live is Christ, but to die is gain. You can't get your soul. We find the word fear used twice in these verses here. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Not that he can well, destroy our bodies in hell if we're saved, but he has that ability in the soul. And the word destroy there doesn't mean annihilation, but it means ruin, utter ruin. The man in hell is not annihilated, but he is in utter ruin. There's a difference between, although there's the same word, the same fear word, there's a difference. One is a terror towards those who want to kill you. But the other is the fear of respect, reverential fear. I stand in awe. I stand wanting to obey and be under his authority. It's a worship. You've heard us saying that the fear of man, I mean, the fear of God takes away all other fears. And it's true. If I worship the Lord in reverential fear and put him first, I, I cannot, I don't have to fear because, because <laughs> my soul is going to be with him. And uh, it will be with him forever. And that soul one day will be reunited with a perfect body. Listen, we can't be losers. If you're truly saved, you can't be a loser. And so I said, listen, get your eyes off of this, get your eyes off of the persecution, get your eyes off of these sayings, and realize that I know what's going on. Fear not. Fear not because I am with you, but fear not because I've got the future in control. We have really two wonderful examples of that found in the book of Acts. If you go over to Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 4, and 17, well, let's begin in verse 15. And when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? They just, uh, Peter and John in verse 13, and they healed a man. And they said, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed notable miracle hath been done by them. It is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in, his, in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. And so uh, they are being pretty forceful here. You guys, knock it off. We don't want to hear the name Jesus come out of your mouth again. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. 
For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all people glorified God for that which was done. What do you do to a man who's not afraid of dying? How do you put fear into a man who's not afraid of dying? And then go over to chapter 5. Chapter 5. This saint's heating up. Peter is in this uh, situation. And in verse 17, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. So they're arrested. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. <laughs> they're put in prison. They're threatened. Stop talking about this guy. The angel gets them out and says, hey, hey, here's your orders from headquarters. Go over to the temple and start preaching. Drop down to verse 25. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence. <laughs> uh, without violence. For they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked him, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. And then look at verse 41. Verse 40. And to them they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they parted from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. How could they do that? Because God's fear not is in the passive voice. He enables them. And they knew, they knew that if they died, their soul would go to be at the Lord. And they knew in the first example, that one day all, of it, all the, the lid's going to be taken off of all of it and God's going to square accounts. And then the last fear not. Verse 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, without God knowing it. They, they sold birds back then, I guess to eat, I'm not sure. But not one of them would die without God knowing. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear you not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. God's going to see. He sees. There's not a sparrow that falls to the ground without God knowing it. 
a number of weeks ago before our, the 40 below came and that real cold spell, our motion, detent, uh, motion sensor light on the back porch <coughs> would come on. And uh, we were wondering if a dog back there or a moose went by. And, and we went out, uh, we looked out the window and right there, right underneath the light, set this owl. He come <coughs> two or three times. And uh, after the 40 below, he's never been back. And I was telling Susie, and then she told Rashon, and then we, we got in a little, I haven't talked to Rashon yet, but he's laughing at me, but I don't notice any shrewd or vole tracks on the snow this year. And I've not seen one rabbit track. So I told Susie, he died. And Rashon's laughing at me because, no, he's an owl, he can survive, you know. He died, I'm, I'm convinced he died. They're convinced I'm crazy. Which is probably more, <laughs> if we took a vote here today, <laughs> I probably wouldn't come out. But nevertheless, if he did, God knew it. Now here's the deal. When I'm all fearful about evangelism, and I'm fearful about rejection, I'm fearful about persecution, I have forgotten how much God cares for me. I'm his child. And no matter how much a parent is rejected or turned away from, a godly parent always has strong emotions towards his children. And God has them towards us. Don't take yourself too lightly. Don't take yourself too seriously. But we are something that, are, that is great because we're a child of God. And so our true value is God's estimate of our worth, not our Friends' estimate, not our peers, not our co-laborers. People tend to categorize and evaluate on how we perform, how we achieve, how we look. But God cares for us because we're His. And so, fear not. Three fear nots. Fear not, fear not. Fear not because he's keeping record. And it's all going to be revealed and all wrongs will be made right. Fear not because your soul cannot be touched. And the fear that we need to have is fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Fear him with a reverential fear, not a trembling fear. What has happened to us when we're not fearful of, of displeasing our Lord? What has happened to us? And fear not, because he greatly values us. And so it brings us to the crisis moment, the moment on the frontier of America when the doctors would tell 
the parents of the sick child that we've reached a crisis moment. Either we will get better or it'll get worse. And God lays these commands at our heart at a crisis moment where we are charged to make a decision. Will I obey or will I not obey? Will I put it off or will I immediately obey? So he says, fear not, fear not, fear not. History records in 320 B.C. or A.D., the Roman Empire split from the Eastern and the Western. And Constantinople, not, Const, not Constantinople, but Constant, uh, Constantine, he was the Roman Emperor in Rome. And then on the other front, there was a guy by the name of Lincius, Lincius, and uh, supposedly Constantine uh, turned Christian. Really, that's questionable, but freedom of religion became greater in Rome, the western part. But the eastern part the emperor Licinius, is L-I-C-I-N-I-U-S, Licinius, Licinius, we'll say, he sent out an order to the commanding officers requiring every soldier to offer a sacrifice to the pagan god that he preferred. And so the news came down, and uh, Praetorian Guard, you know, the, we won't, I don't have time for all that, but the Praetorian Guard uh, was, many of the leaders of divisions were selected from the Praetorian Guard, and Paul preached to the Praetorian Guard there in Philippians. But there was a lot of soldiers that were saved. And when the orders came down, there were 40 soldiers in this one division who would not offer sacrifices to the pagan god. It enraged Licinius and he sent back orders and it was in the winter and he sent back orders that these soldiers should be stripped of all their clothes and driven out on the lake's ice and perish on the ice. And while we were there, there's many different reports uh, it's been, it was in 300, so. But as they went out, they're supposed to see, I've sang the song of 40 soldiers standing for the Lord. And as the night got colder and colder, the captain close to the, the area built some bathhouses or had some baths warm and they could have left the lake at any moment and come and warm themselves in hot water. And uh, someplace in the middle of the night, one man did. The singing gradually got less and less as the men sang together but one man did, he came back to shore. Some say that when he got in the hot water, it was too much and he died, whether he did or not, I don't know. But I know this, that there was an officer there that had listened to these men sing. And they saw that they loved the Lord and feared him more than they feared the emperor. And he stripped off his clothes and ran into the middle of the lake 
And instead of singing 39 soldiers, they begin to sing 40 again. God is wanting us to go out into this world fearless. Not being stupid, we've always talked about that. Being harmless as doves, wise as serpents. But to realize that this world's not our home. To realize, yes, we will be treated wrongly. But some will listen and some will join our ranks. As he took a stand, others joined. And that, and that we're not to count ourselves the offscouring of the world. We're not to count ourselves as the guy there in Psalm 73 looked at himself and thought that he was on the wrong end of the stick. We're children of the king. And he's given us the commands that need to be obeyed. And one of these days, they'll all come to light. It'll all be squared. And we'll be with him forever. Okay? We can get up here and I can give you statistics and I can say, you know, you need to be, you need to be here on, on a Great Commission Day and, and I can make you feel guilty about that and, and you can be driven. You can actually drive God's people. But sheep are not to be driven they're to be led. And you're to serve the Lord out of your heart. All right? Fear not. You're dismissed. <laughs>